This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Alright, everybody, welcome to the current state of WWE. I've got Anthony DeMarco here. It is Monday, and that means we're gonna talk about Generally, what's going on in WWE now, normally we focus on a single topic and dive deep, which most of the time focuses around Roman Reigns and the Sami Zayn storyline. But tonight I want to talk, and we discussed off the air about a few topics in WWE. We're going to talk about the Rock and the Rumble. We're going to talk about the lack of a pay-per-view in December and just the overall direction of Monday Night Raw. So I'm ready to get going. Are you you ready to go, Anthony? Yeah, Ben, and I think it's about time that Raw gets going as well as we kind of lead into that topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So go ahead. What do you What do you feel? How do you feel about the general direction of Monday Night Raw? I gotta say, I want to like it. I love the repackaged version of Theory, the more serious version, no longer the future that he's the here and now. You know, I think that if Seth Rollins had to use the United States Championship, he was the best guy to do so. And I like a lot of the main, I guess focal points on Monday Night Raw. You have Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, Theory, obviously, I think the Judgment Day has been excellent, as well as kind of like a revitalization of AJ Styles with the OC. I think Bianca Belair is obviously the best woman in the company right now, Becky Lynch's return. But I still feel that Raw is hurt by that extra hour, and I know that it's kind of screaming at the clouds at this point, that it's never going to change. But I think if Raw needs to have that extra hour, which we know it will always have, it needs to have a better product. And I think Raw has the talent right now, but as we've talked about at nauseum for the last six, seven, eight months, the fact that they don't have a world championship is really hurting the brand. And in a lot of ways, they don't have a tag team championship either because the Usos are almost exclusively on SmackDown. Obviously, that's going to change tonight as we have them defending the undisputed tag team titles against Real and Elias in a match that I think nobody's expecting them to drop the championship in. But all in all, I like the, the talent Raw has. I like the main storylines. I still feel like it's a tough to get through show because of how long it is. There's yeah, there's no way around it. There's just there's no way around it. And I don't see, as you said, even under the guidance of Triple H, under his management, under his watch, as much as he wants to get rid of it, and he's been on the record in the past of saying that this third hour is infinitely harder to do, and I totally I sympathize with that. I really do. Three hours is a bear. And looking at how Triple H has filled those hours, I think what he's done to compensate what Vince didn't do was just add a ton more wrestling. Like he's adding longer matches, and that's fine with me. I would do the same thing. To me, adding more matches or maybe even just longer matches is easier to do than coming up with the entertainmenty stuff, the backstage skits, the 15 to 20 minute promos. The wrestling's much easier to manage because all you have to do is tell two guys, two women, how many men or women in whatever match, hey, here's the outcome, get us there, and put on a great match. Then you leave it up to the wrestlers, and you don't have to be sitting stressing about, you know, what's somebody going to say? How's this segment going to look? How's the lighting going to be? To me, Triple H is taking the better road of just making, putting more wrestling in the wrestling show. 
And I like that overall, but it, no matter what you fill it with, three hours is still, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's insane. It's twice as long as most movies. I think the average movie is about 90 minutes. So you're doubling a movie, a, you know, just a normal movie time. And so I, I, I get it, but I, I would agree that the WWE or Triple H has really had to navigate some rough waters with the lack of a top belt on Raw. They're trying to, do the best they can with the U.S. belt and trying to frame that as the top championship on Raw. And they are, I guess that's true to some degree, only because Roman Reigns, even though he can float between two brands, is still on SmackDown, and that's only every three weeks. So they're doing what they can with the, really, the creative they put themselves into. I mean, like, I, I while I feel, said I feel sympathetic, they've also put themselves in this situation. Like, they did this to them. They didn't just have someone else do it to them. So they are reaping what they've sown of taking the belt and just putting all their eggs in one basket with Roman. And I'm not trying to make this a Roman conversation that it always seems to trend into, but it is a side effect that they're going to have to live with. And I don't think it's going to be a long-term plan for that very reason. Like I'm almost convinced now that eventually the championships will go back to being split. WWE will go back to raw universal will stay on SmackDown. But I guess the one positive I've taken from this is how important the raw women's championship has felt. And maybe not even so much the championship, but I feel like Bianca Blair, you can make the case right now is the face of Monday night raw. And title feels infinitely more important than the SmackDown Women's Championship. Do you think that maybe a positive kind of result of them not having a world championship on the men's side has been how important Bianca Belair's title run has felt? Oh, I think the women are loving this. And, and you know what? More power to them. I'm glad that the women's championship feels as important as it ever has. Now, I can't say the same thing for the Raw, or rather the uh, women's tag titles that have gone back, unfortunately, into obscurity that we see just hanging out on the waist of Io, uh, Sky and Dakota Kai while there is, again, no division with a championship. And they just checked a box and said, yeah, see, the women are you know equal. They have the same championships that men do. And look, we, we created a tag team division. No, you didn't. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all just just a it's a it's a smoke show like it's not real you have a championship for no division and it's really you know i was hoping that triple h would have taken those championships and done more with them or prepared the division better before reintroducing them now sasha and, and beyond uh, sasha and naomi could come back you know if or when that happens but still it's a weak division on top of the men's being all, a, a tag team division that's weak and uh yeah so i i don't know i i just think that Right now, Raw is in a position that's great for the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair is one of the faces. Seth Rollins is another face of Monday Night Raw. Um, but certainly, yeah, Bianca Belair is is on, a, I think, a better run than her first go-around with the Raw Women's Championship when she won it at the previous WrestleMania. Yeah, I agree 100%. And not a lot of people are talking about this, but, you know, she's going on, what, 10 months as the champion? And I think it makes sense. Like, honestly, this is a long title run for Bianca Belair that, in my mind, makes absolute sense because she is not, you know, play off of her uh, slogan of the EST, but she is kind of just better at everything right now than every other woman competitor. And obviously, I think she's on a collision course with probably Rhea Ripley for uh, WrestleMania. And I think Rhea Ripley is someone who's been on just an amazing ascent since joining the Judgment Day. And I think you said it, but you're absolutely right that Rhea Ripley is the best part of the Judgment Day. If she wasn't part of that group, I don't know if it would be half as interesting. And I know they say Finn Balor's the leader, but it almost feels like she's the quasi-leader in a lot of ways. So you have two really good up 
up-and-coming women on the Raw roster. And look, it doesn't make up for all the negative about Raw. I do think it's absolutely absurd that Raw has felt like 100% the B pay-per-view um, since I would I would say probably the better part of the year or ever since Roman really got going on his run. It slowly kind of faded into the background behind SmackDown. And the other part about this is, and not to kind of swing back to the championships, but we always say, why are you in professional wrestling? Why are you in any competitive sport or simulated sport to win championships? And on Monday Night Raw, a roster that is bigger than SmackDown, a show that has more time to fill, to only have one championship always available to the men, it just doesn't really feel like it makes a lot of sense in that way. And again, I know this, the, the tag titles float between both shows, but more times than not, they are kind of more on the SmackDown side. So I just really think they have to find a way to get that world title back on Monday Night Raw to make it feel more realistic that the guys are vying for something on that brand. It feels like we've been saying this for a year. I mean, it's really since WrestleMania. I mean, we've been harping on this, and it, my, our opinions have not changed on it. In fact, I, I feel stronger now than ever about it. And, yes, yeah, Sami Zayn has been a nice distraction, and WWE stumbled into that. I don't think they designed it to be this successful or Sami to go this far, but I'm sure they're loving it because that way it takes their attention away, the fans' attention away from just how insane the, the run is with Roman and how really just – unfortunate it is for the wrestlers the men especially on raw that are not able to compete for a championship outside of the u.s now back to your point the last point about um, bianca belair and the collision course of rhea ripley I, I can't wait for that match it was a match that was supposed to happen a number of months ago rhea ripley had dental problems and other problems medically now that they are both ready to compete and they're good to go yeah wrestlemania seems great i could also see charlotte flair as she always does being interjected into this in a triple threat i mean charlotte flair is the quintessential kind of uh flying the ointment she's always there to spoil a one-on-one -on -one to make it a triple threat and i i really i hope that's not the case because i think Rhea bianca one-on-one -on -one is a better matchup but once charlotte flair returns i think she will be quickly drafted to raw uh, or just traded to Raw. Becky's coming to SmackDown, as as I've and you have been saying for a number of months now, to set up Ronda and Becky and Bianca and Charlotte. But Rhea Ripley, I think, should be, in my mind, a WrestleMania main event with Bianca. I, I just have a feeling, and I don't know if you feel the same, that Charlotte is somehow going to be pushed into that with Bianca and Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. There's one wild card for me in what they do with Charlotte at WrestleMania. And that's if they actually bring Money in the Bank back to WrestleMania. Because if they actually go ahead and abolish the Money in the Bank pay-per-view and move the back the, the match back to WrestleMania like it was in its um in its infancy and how it started, I think Charlotte Flair is in the Money in the Bank ladder match, and to be honest, probably wins the Money in the Bank ladder match. And I think that would be a good spot for her. Because I don't think that she belongs in Bel Air versus Ripley because that is a story of two up and coming women and the future of that division in a lot of ways and a match that is long time coming since the summertime. And then on the SmackDown side, I hope to God they don't think about go doubling down and doing another triple threat with Ronda and Becky, but I can't see them doing that. So then it would leave me to, does she have a grudge match with a Bailey? Does she have a grudge match with Sasha if Sasha were to return? But I think that if they bring back the Money in the Bank ladder match for WrestleMania, I would assume that she would be in that match and would probably be a favorite to win. And I would actually be on board with her winning because as a heel, she would probably be the perfect woman to hold that briefcase. What do you think?
Yeah, I think so. And, and honestly, the case to bring Money in the Bank back to WrestleMania is it's strong. I mean, because then there's always that possibility of, wait a minute, the person that just won it, could they cash in tonight? You know, because by the time you get to WrestleMania from, you, I think it's usually what, in July May or, or whatever. Sometime in July, or, yeah, they've, they've shuffled it around. By the time you get to WrestleMania in April, that person is cashed in and either won or lost the uh, that, that match. So you off, more often than not don't have somebody with a Money in the Bank briefcase hovering over WrestleMania. So I think that is a much stronger case. Now, the Money in the Bank event I don't think is as egregious as Hell in a Cell or Elimination Chamber. Uh, or well, Actually, Chamber I do like as its own pay-per-view. But I do think that the Money in the Bank match itself should go back to WrestleMania. It makes it so much more exciting because then you're like, whoa, they could cash in tonight. It adds a whole new layer of, of unpredictability. Um, so I think that you're – no, I, I, I agree. I think – I mean, having Charlotte win the Money in the Bank is makes sense to me. Um, but you know, switching gears because I know we don't have a ton of time. I want to also, as we alluded to at the beginning of the show, I want to talk about the no pay per view. Uh, you know, there there is no pay per view in December. There's no day one event on uh, January first. So, how do you feel about that? This is a just a crazy chunk of time. Not eight plus weeks we've had. Now we're about seven weeks out from the Rumble. Do you like the fact that they don't have a pay-per-view between Survivor Series and the Rumble? Or do you feel like eh, they probably should have stuck something in, whether it was Armageddon or, uh, I don't know, was it the day one event? How do you feel about this crazy amount of time between pay-per-views? Do you remember December to Dismember? <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah, I do. Or New Year's <laughs> Revolution. But look, I... I don't hate it, right? Because I do think it got to a point with Vince that there were just so many pay-per-views that it felt diluted a bit. And obviously we've seen Triple H kind go away with the B-level pay-per-views. Like, if you think back to it, there's only been one B-level pay-per-view that we've seen under Triple H, and that was Extreme Rules. Because obviously Clash at the Castle was a massive event, and Crown Jewel was a massive event, and then Around that, you had Survivor Series and SummerSlam. So Triple H really hasn't been overseen a lot of the B-level pay-per-views. And no matter what we would have seen, whether that be Armageddon or TLC or or Day One, and to be honest, I actually really liked the Day One pay-per-view. I thought it was a really cool concept on New Year's Day. Those would have been B-level pay-per-views. So look, I'm okay with it. I don't hate it. But I still would prefer it just because... It feels, as you alluded to, that there's a lot of time to fill with, like, no big match-level payoff. And another thing about it is that that means that we're not going to see Roman Reigns for a large run here. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until 2023 at this point. It means that we're for sure not going to see a guy like Brock Lesnar. And I know people still don't want to hear it, but those are the two biggest stars WWE has under contract at this very moment, Brock and Roman Reigns. So I just feel that it kind of put things in a holding pattern, which isn't the worst idea. Like, I like long-term storytelling. I like that, like, not immediate payoff and immediate gratification, easy enough for me to say. But I still do feel that it does kind of drag a bit when you have this big of a gap. And that's not to say that Roman had to defend his championships or you had to have, like, a massive main event. But still, like, even to, you know, put the U.S. title in a big prominent uh, uh, spot on a pay-per-view or the Intercontinental Championship. 
I just feel like they could have maybe done with having a day one again, just to, you know, give the fans something. And again, I did like the concept. So while I don't hate it, I guess I would have ultimately preferred them to have one pay-per-view in between, just because it is an egregious amount of time. Yeah, I think when we look at this, seven weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was, probably the longest I can remember between events ever. And again, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it until I get to the Rumble. Right now, it feels like an infinite amount of time away. But at the same time, it's, you know, the holiday season. We've got New Year's. We've got Christmas coming up. Before, we're going to blink and we're going to be like, oh, my God, Rumble's two weeks, three weeks away, two weeks away. Like, time goes quick. But... Uh, from a pro wrestling standpoint, I think, yeah, they probably could have s- kind of stuck in the day one. It's a nice time to put a pay-per-view on because everyone has the day off. No matter what day it is, they have that day off for New Year's Day. And, you know, if, if you're hungover, it's a great time to look forward to, hell, man, I feel like crap this morning from New Year's Eve. But, man, I got a pay-per-view tonight. That's cool. And it doesn't have to be the most earth-shattering event. It, can, it, it is a B-level pay-per-view, but it's a nice filler. And right now, that's how I feel, too, that like they probably could have to at least build to programs that would then feed into the Rumble. But now they have seven weeks left to just focus on the Rumble. And we've already barely heard about the Rumble, like barely other than Kofi Kingston's ridiculous proclamation, which happens every year where people just declare that they're in it and they're in it. Um, there has been no mention of the Rumble, barely. And that tells you that, yeah, we've got a long way to go. We're, we haven't really settled on who's going to be doing what. So it's it's going to be a lot of a lot of treading water with their uh, w- with their matches and their progression of things over the next three to four weeks. I really believe and I, I've said this. I said this in my week in review last night that until you get until 2023, like once that calendar flips to the new year, what happens in December is usually nothing earth shattering. Star power is low. The WWE knows that the focus is on the holidays. It's a tough time for TV in general. The you know uh, football, especially here in the Amer- in, uh, in the United States, is in full gear. Playoffs are about to start. Everyone's you know it, it's a difficult time to get people to focus on the product. So I don't believe you're not going to see any massive returns in December. I really believe that. I I don't think we'll see Charlotte. I don't think we'll see The Rock. I don't think we'll see any of those returns, uh, Sasha included until the calendar turns to 2023. And so my my thinking, to, to put a cap on this for the pay-per-view uh, piece of our conversation, I really don't think that it's going to be a... It's not a terrible thing. It's just, as fans for of WWE, for how many years you and I have been fans and, and everyone listening, it's just, it feels like forever. And we're like looking, we're like, oh my, it's going to... Like, how are they going to do this? It's going to be a lot of treading water. It's going to be kind of the next three, four weeks of just getting through. And then it's like, look out. And we're going to go from first gear to fifth gear real quick when that uh, calendar turns to 2023. So any final thoughts on this before we move to our rock conversation? Yeah, I guess the last thing I would say is just maybe Armageddon holds a special place in my heart because it was historically a pay-per-view that kind of had big things happen to it, like the December pay-per-view. Look, Obviously, in 2001, they didn't have Armageddon because of 
um, or because of 9-11, rather. So they made it Vengeance, I believe. And But that was a massive pay-per-view in December of 2001. Then in December of 2003, you had Armageddon come back, and you had the Evolution Night of Shine, where they, all members of Evolution walked out with a, with a championship. So I guess it's just because historically it has been a month for a pay-per-view where big things were happening. And I have always been a proponent of actually having big title changes sometimes happen on B-level pay-per-views to give people an incentive to watch. So I guess that's why maybe partial to having a pay-per-view in December. But again, like you said, it's probably just a being used to it thing. So I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm willing to see how it is, but I want to see how dull the product gets between now and Rumble, if at all. Yeah, I mean, I could be totally wrong. I mean, I hope I am that things continue to progress nicely and we maybe we get a big return. I, I could be totally wrong. I'm just going off of Vince McMahon's running and management of the company for 40 years. And what I've been watching for 25 is this is typically, especially the last 10 to 15 years, been kind of like meh. Like, all right, December is kind of your, you know, uh, just calm before the storm. Um, so maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I think that that's the way they're going to do it, especially if they don't have it a pay-per-view. All right, let's get to... Let's get to The Rock. Speaking of the Rumble and the latest report, this is coming from Dave Meltzer, coming from Wrestling Observer Radio. Take that for what it's worth. Love him, hate him. He does have sources inside WWE, and he does have a decent track record of being right on things. So, you know, regardless of your personal feelings on Dave Meltzer, the fact is that he is a credible source in what's going on in WWE internally. And the latest is that there is discussion of having The Rock enter the Rumble for the men, men's Royal Rumble, obviously, and winning it. So, I'll reserve my thoughts. What are yours? If this is true, what are your thoughts? I, I think it was last week when I were talking about are they going to the Rumble if they want to get to Rock versus Roman. And I guess this would kind of check that box, right? Like, I feel like everyone is expecting Cody Rhodes to win it. I mean, aside from Cody Rhodes, I don't really see anyone else who would be in line at this moment to win it. Maybe Kevin Owens, but that's more of a stretch at this point. Maybe Sami Zayn if they really want to swerve us. But, I mean, if they have The Rock come back and win it, it really kind of checks that box and they don't have to rock their own. Unfortunately, that would mean that it would be for the championship. But I think at that point, or at this point, that's a foregone conclusion. But I think the other part about this is, is would he be challenging Roman for only one of those titles? Because obviously we've heard rumors and reports that they're considering having Roman defend both championships separately on night one and night two of SmackDown or of WrestleMania. Although, I mean, SmackDown usually has a WrestleMania SmackDown before <laughs> the actual WrestleMania. Anyway. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> or WrestleMania Backlash and WrestleMania Judgment Day, but <laughs> not to die. Yeah, serious. Down. I forgot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it would just make it, it would be the easy choice, right? It would be low hanging fruit. I wouldn't be a proponent of it just because I think historically, you know, going with the returning part-timer to win the Rumble hasn't really worked, you know, i.e. Dave Batista in 2014. And I think that a lot of times over the last decade or so, WWE has botched the winner of the Royal Rumble, and fans have always been more, in, like, ready to see a guy like Nakamura win it or Seth Rollins win it or Drew McIntyre win it. I don't think everyone was really thrilled that Brock won it last year, which I feel like a lot of people forget. But, I mean, look, I wouldn't hate it because I'm a big Rock fan, and I think most people are huge Rock fans, but I just think that there's another way to get to Rock and Roman than him winning the Royal Rumble. 
that's kind of what I was going to say is I, I wouldn't do it this way either. Now, it, let's pretend this match is happening because, again, it still could not. I mean, The Rock is doing 800 things a minute. So who knows? His schedule, his movie, you know, all that. He's doing a ton of stuff. Um, so assuming this match is happening, I agree that Rumble is not the best way to get to that match. It should be Roman coming out. It should be in a promo with the bloodline after they've turned on Sami Zayn, which we all know is happening probably in the next one to two months before WrestleMania. And uh, as Kevin Owens feuds with Roman, and that'll probably be the uh, Royal Rumble uh, championship match is Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. And Sami Zayn's going to be there. And maybe, you know, something happens wonky with Sami and the breakdown starts. I I really wouldn't do rock putting him in the rumble because there's a better way. It's not the best story to tell. The story shouldn't be rock just inserting himself in the rumble. It should be just him coming out after a scathing promo from Roman saying that, you know, talking, maybe talking more about his family and how he's always been the head of the table. He was meant for this and really doubling down, maybe actually getting people to boo him for once. That'd be nice. And uh, having the rock come out then it's, it's really, he, this entrance for the rock is built for after Roman wins or retains rather the championship for the umpteenth time holding the ch- uh, championships above his head with the fireworks going off that we've seen how many effing times over the last two and a half years pretty much every pay-per-view um and then having the rocks music hit like i know we've seen the formula with john cena have it happen we've we've seen it with others but th- that's what this is made for that moment is made for that particular situation not necessarily the rumble i wouldn't hate it people would be all over this and go crazy still but it's just a better story if The Rock interrupts Roman after he's already conquered Kevin Owens again, and then he comes out at the Rumble, not as an entrant or participant, but rather just focusing 100% on Roman and going face-to-face there, maybe giving him a rock bottom and then just staring at him and then staring at the WrestleMania sign, because you know that'll be up as people point to the WrestleMania sign for the next you know uh, three months after that until WrestleMania itself. To me, I would agree. I mean, that that's how I would do it. Would you do the same thing or something similar if you could set it up if this match happens? Yeah, I just because I think that if The Rock comes back and wins the Royal Rumble, you're kind of risking him getting booed because I just don't think fans take kindly to having a part timer or not even a part timer, just a blast from the past show up and win the Rumble and take a spot away. Like that's what single handedly torpedoed Batista's return in 2014. Like, would you not agree? Like. Was like yeah. remember when Batista was supposed to return? I was stoked. Like, what was your entire view on how that travesty played out? Well, yeah, I mean that was that was beautiful thing to watch, and it, I did. I understand why people did it. I was excited for Batista too, but I totally get why they did. And, and then, of course, the Daniel Bryan factor was there in 2015, even more so in Philadelphia. But yeah, like people didn't want to see it. They're regretful of it and resentful because the people see through it. It's not that they don't they don't respect that individual or that they're not a legend or a Hall of Famer in the business or that people don't want to see them wrestle. It's the fact that championships should be reserved for full time talent. Championships should not be reserved for, you know, you're in for two months and then you're back to doing whatever you're doing and we'll see in a couple of years. That's that's not what championship matches should be reserved for, who they should be reserved for, for so many reasons. Like, number one, it doesn't allow talent to get, especially younger talent, to grow. You're taking a spot away from a guy that needs it versus a Hall of Famer that is not going to gain anything from being in a championship match at WrestleMania. Uh, That's number one. Um, You know, and 
Number two, it, it doesn't. It's not great for morale on the roster. Like if if I'm a younger talent, I'm kicking ass for the last like few years. I feel like my time's coming, and then I hear about you know a, a legend coming back and taking that spot. It's like you know that's not great for morale, and it goes against what you're supposed to be doing in building new stars. So you know, and also the third point, you already know the outcome. Ninety nine percent chance that 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 legend is going to lose against the established champion. So like the Rock coming in. He's going to lose, most likely. There's a, there's a case to be made he could hang around as a champion for a few months and then go away. But it's not he's not going to be there very long, regardless of the outcome. So it's not it's a very short term it's very short term thinking for those three reasons. Yeah, and and I think to swing back to the Rock here, I think there's just an easier path to go down, but uh, than him winning the Rumble. But maybe if they only want you know, Roman to compete in one match and defend both championships, I guess that's the only way to get there. But if he is really going to separate the titles at WrestleMania, because I've heard that as well, that like they may separate the championships at Mania, even if he holds on to the Universal. And if that's the case, you know, if you want Cody Rhodes to win it or whatever, he could win the WWE title and take it over to Monday Night Raw. And then you have Rock versus Roman for the Universal Championship on night two or whatever. So, I mean, I think there's a way here for them to not have The Rock win the Rumble, but I think for them it would just save a lot of headaches if they want Roman to defend, you know, it as one championship, which, I mean, I'm kind of losing track on what direction they're going to go with that. I do think eventually they're going to reseparate the titles because they haven't made one unification title yet, and I do think ultimately it is the best thing to go back to uh, two separate champions so Monday Night Raw could have a legitimate world title each and every week. But at the same time, it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes with The Raw coming back. Because like you said, I just I think it would almost water down the reason for his return. Oh, God. Yeah, no doubt. It, it This should be about, as you and I have said for years now, it's been years, this is about family, this is personal, this has nothing to do with the championship, it takes away from the the match, it's a distraction, it's unnecessary, and I hate saying that about the top belts in the company, but in this case, it is beyond the championships, it's not above them, it's just a different direction, it's not needed, and I know that the temptation is there, and I don't, I, I really think that Triple H is going to, going to give in to that temptation that it should be for a championship. It should be for the belt. And, it, and it's just, I understand it that they feel it makes it look bigger on paper. I understand why they think that. In 99% of cases, a championship does make a, a, a match bigger and feel more important. In this case, it doesn't because it is all about family. It's all about who's the true head of the table. That Rock can come in and saying, you've been talking this trash for the last two and a half years. I've respected what you've done, but the, you know, daddy's home, right? Like you could, you could, you could have the Rock have some really funny uh, things to say to Roman Reigns. And I think it would actually reestablish Roman as a, as a heel. But there is also, like you said, if they put him in the Rumble, and they make him like entrant number 26 or 27. I don't think they'd go with 30 because then if he wins the Rumble at 30, his credibility is even less. Um, but if if they go face to face, there's that chance that actually people cheer Roman and they boo the Rock because they know that Roman's going to be here past WrestleMania. They know that he's you know, done an awesome job. They've they've accidentally turned him babyface. They're trying to re- they're trying to resist that, but Sami Zayn just is pouring on the babyface, uh, you know. Uh, 
gravitational pull. He, he, they, there's nothing they can do to stop this. So The Rock coming back, when people know he's not there for long, in a championship match, there is that risk, that outside of the first night of the just the excitement of him being back, that eventually when they get to WrestleMania, there is a chance. Could you see that happening in the match itself at WrestleMania, if it's for the championship? Do you think there's a possibility that that if they don't do this right, that The Rock could actually get booed and Roman gets cheered because they know The Rock's going away next night, the next night. I mean, we've seen it before. I, I mean, there's a chance. I think The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin are kind of immune from that, to be honest. Like, I think, like, they're just in such a different stratosphere that they kind of, like, are differentiated from the likes of Goldberg or Batista or whatever. But there's definitely a chance here. And I think that if you really want to risk it and you really want to test your fate... Him winning the Royal Rumble would be a massive way to go down that road. And that's why, like, obviously, I think we've talked about this before, but I still, to this point, think that the best option for The Rock to come back would actually be joining the bloodline and turning heel. But obviously, that would take way more out of his schedule because there's just way more of a story to tell as opposed to him just coming back and challenging Roman for the head of the table. So obviously, we know that's not going to happen. But I agree that... Yes, if you really want to risk it and see how far you could go with The Rock without him getting booed, him winning the Rumble would certainly be a way to go about that, especially, especially if he doesn't show up at on programming before the Rumble. Like, if he just shows up as, like, number 30 and wins, I don't know how kindly people would take to that. I think, again, initially... Great reaction. People are excited. They're in person. They know it's histor- uh, historic. The Rock hasn't been back in a while. But I think after that excitement and uh, kind of honeymoon phase wears off and it'll wear off quickly, that people will go, wait, wait, wait a minute. Well, this is cool, but uh, Roman's been here a while. He's done an awesome job. The Rock is going to be gone Monday night. Maybe he'll be there Monday night Raw after WrestleMania, and then he's gone. So, like, the, I think the fans will eventually come around to that after their initial, oh, my God, there's kind of euphoria of The Rock being back in this match happening. I don't think it's likely that this happens, by the way. So my official prediction is that as of right now, and again, seven weeks away, I still don't think that they'll go this road. I think it's possible. I give it like a one out of four chance if they're going to do this match, that that's how they do it is The Rock entering the Rumble. Let's say 25% chance. But, you know, to say that The Rock is immune, I think mostly he is. But we've seen in 2015 when he tried to endorse Roman Reigns, that he even The Rock got booed. Now I don't think they were directly booing The Rock, but the the fact that The Rock was trying to get Roman cheered and it still failed miserably in Philadelphia tells you that even The Rock is not immune to boos if the fans really don't want something. Like even even The Rock uh, can't save you know everything, and he, he's not totally immune. Again, different situation, different time. Seven years ago, almost eight years ago now. But still, um, you're right, though. If they want to test that theory, do you want to test how how much the people love The Rock and are going to just ignore the fact that he's not going to be here for more than just a couple of months? Yeah, you go ahead, have him win the Rumble at number 30 and see how many times he appears on SmackDown to uh, have a promo with Roman Reigns. And, uh, you know, maybe the Via Satellite crap comes back and all that stuff. We'll, so we'll see how long that, that uh, honeymoon fa- phase lasts with the fans. I, 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 don't, I think there's a chance that it doesn't go off the way that they want it, even with The Rock uh, you know, being headlining the WrestleMania event. So we'll see. I mean, either way, I think that we know that at this point it is certainly finally trending towards The Rock coming back and face off Roman Reigns, which, I mean, at least we're going to get that. Because I feel like within the next year, this bloodline angle is probably going to come to an end. It has to. 
It has to come to an end. Like as great as this storyline is, WWE has a habit of you know pushing things too far too long, and then the fans flip on it and they're ready to move on where WWE isn't, and they just continue to try to milk it and milk it and milk it. And there's just nothing left. Um, and I think that they could reach that once the people or once Sami Zayn is removed from the group and the, they, he turns on the group, but the group turns on him in the next one to two months. Then I think things are, you know, all, all, you know, all bets are off, especially if Kevin Owens and Sammy reunite to take the Usos down at WrestleMania for the tag belts. And then Roman is uh, you know, dethroned maybe at WrestleMania. Certainly. Yeah. The, the, within a, a year from now, I think we're going to look back right now and say that, uh, you know, it all started at the Rumble. Where, where did the where did everything start to go wrong for the bloodline? I think we're going to say the Royal Rumble of 2023 and that it eventually totally collapses at WrestleMania or the, shortly thereafter. But again, that thousand days is May 29th, right after Memorial Day here in the U.S. That is May 29th is the thousandth day. So do they push it another six weeks? I can't see them put not doing that. I just I can't. So, uh, well, yeah, it's go just going to give us a lot to talk about for sure. Like once we get into WrestleMania season, I feel like even us now we're going to be somewhat in a holding pattern the next month or so until we really start getting to, into Royal Rumble and the turn of the calendar into 2023, because I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Roman Reigns until 2023 at this point. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I'd say one appearance. I'm going to give I'm going to do the over under of one. I'm going to say he shows up once in December and then, uh, yeah, probably not until after the new year, I would agree. So, all right, cool. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I know that, uh, you and I are, uh, you know, I'm working today. I know you're probably working later today. I appreciate you coming on and uh, being able to talk about this as we have seven more weeks to dissect this whole storyline. And I don't think week by week we're going to get a whole lot of progression. So we'll have to get creative in how we uh, we discuss these things. But um, let everyone know what the latest show is that you did on uh, the WWE Retro. I really enjoyed it. I'll uh, let you tell them what that is. Yeah, so I covered the Invasion pay-per-view from 2001 that featured uh, Team WCW, ECW against Team WWF. A pay-per-view that I think was overall good for what WWF and Vince McMahon had to work with, you know, uh, talent-wise, but one that I think that in a perfect world they would have liked for it to have gone differently. They obviously doubled down with the Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin heel turn. And, I mean, look, I understand that they had to work with what they were given, I kind of mentioned it in my show, like, how realistic would it have been if you had, like, Austin and Rock leading Team WWF and, like, DDP and Booker T leading Team WCW. So, like, I kind of mentioned in my show that in a perfect world, you probably would have had Austin, Rock, Triple H, Taker, and, like, Kurt Angle on Team WWF. And on WCW, you probably would have had the three NWO guys, Goldberg and Sting, maybe Ric Flair in there as well. But uh, unfortunately, they didn't get all those talent and uh, they just had to uh, work with what they had. And I think given the predicament they were in, they did the best they could. What did you think listening back to it? It brought back a lot of memories, uh, no doubt about it, from oh, 21 years ago. My God, um, brought back so many memories of of that whole event and, and really just you know, appreciating the fact that they did the best they could with it, despite, as you said, the lack of star power that they had because of the guaranteed contracts from Ted Turner and WCW, the fact that they didn't have those top guys. I, I would totally agree. I think that that match that you just laid out is, is as big of a dream match as you can possibly imagine almost in any generation because it has every top star from WWF and every top star from WCW 
in one match. I mean, my God, um, it's just a, it's such a shame that the timing didn't work out that those contracts that Vince couldn't buy them out or that, you know, whatever the, the case may have been, that they had to wait another year before Goldberg, you know, his uh, return or debut in WWE against The Rock happened. And it was just it was ill time for the top stars. But given that, I think they still did an OK, decent job. I mean, uh, listening back to your audio did bring back a lot of. A lot of exciting feelings, and it's also because of the fact that yeah, it wasn't managed the best, but like a lot of the, a lot of the errors in booking was made up for the just immense amount of star power that they still did have at their disposal, and of course the uh, w- <laughs> Stone Cold turning on WWF again and trying to double down on the heel turn, which didn't work, and eventually the what thing came out of it when he uh, turned back face in 2002. But yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I'd really recommend that anybody who hasn't listened to that. Uh, show in on retro that we just released on Friday. Go check that out and really check out the Vengeance pay per view as a whole, or the Invasion uh, pay per view as a whole in 2001. I think you'll really enjoy it. Even if you didn't live during that era, it was it, it's really almost it, it was a dream scenario. It really was. And you all, and you had the two entranceways for the Alliance and for WWF, so it was pretty cool. I mean, like I said, all, well, and you alluded to, obviously they were missing a lot of WCW talent, but they had to work with what they with what they had, and I think that's the reason why they brought in the ECW uh, talent into the equation because they had so many former ECW guys already at their disposal with the Dudley Boys and Rhino. Yeah, they did. I mean, they they tried their best, knowing that they lacked in talent. To try to put more volume, even though the star power wasn't greater, they felt that maybe adding more would kind of deodorize the fact that they didn't have that top talent. Um, But again, I still don't think that it was a terrible storyline. It was mismanaged and got watered down a lot of times with like WCW referees having to do WCW matches and all that kind of weird stuff. And WCW announcers, Paul Heyman and uh, Joey Styles eventually came in, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, they overthought it, I think, at times. But, I mean, I, I really look back and I still have fond memories of it, even if it wasn't the complete best scenario they could have put out there. So, all right, well, cool. Guys, go check that out. And, uh, Anthony, we will be talking again in a week as we will then be six weeks away from the world. Slowly Rumble. inching towards there, man. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> I know. All right. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.